I feel the Holy Ghost in here in a mighty way. And in the presence of God, there is nothing that is impossible. Nothing that is impossible. This world will dull your senses. It, it will take your faith. It breeds doubt. And at first, when we come into the church, a lot of times on Wednesday nights, I feel that in a strong way. But we, when we begin to worship God and we begin to sing and lift our hands and our voices, doubt begins to leave. And I am so thankful to be in the truth, to know Jesus Christ because He is the way and the truth and the light. And I am ecstatic about being part of the church in the greatest time of the history of our people. This is not a gloom, dark hour for the church. Is all the lights on in here? Is there any way we can get the lights on? Can we? Those are those are out. Can we get those on, gentlemen, if you can? <laughs> Woo! I think there's... <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, wow, and I'm going to get a suntan on my head. I have no hair up there to, to guard it. All right. Uh, it is... Uh, I, I, tonight, I, I need, I'm going to do something I rarely, rarely do. And I need y'all's attention. I need you to keep something between us in here. The reason I, I'm going to do this is because of my children. Um, if you don't mind, don't mention this to them because they don't know. My father-in-law has uh, went to the, ho- uh, the doctor and had some tests ran. And he had developed a tumor... In, I, I don't know how to explain it. I do know it's in his head. It's behind it, and it's in his ear. And uh, he he has been losing his hearing on one side, especially for a long time. He hears a constant ring. It bothers him. And uh, I know why God allows certain things, and you know what I'm talking about. I love my father-in-law. He's... He's a great man. And I believe that God is going to bring him back. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. And tonight, I want to pray for him and for my mother-in-law. It's a stressful time. And um, I, I know that God is a healer. He healed Brother Chuck, he's taken care of Sister Fox. He's healed numerous folks in this place. We've seen great miracles. And I, uh, I know that God will touch my father-in-law. I know that timing is everything, and I want God to work on him and bring him back because his soul is the most important thing in this world. And so I believe God is talking to him. 
I believe that God is not going to leave him alone when he goes to bed at night, when he gets up in the morning. God is going to talk to him. So with the uplifting the hands and with your promise, don't mention this to my children because my boys will worry themselves sick because they don't understand. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, you're the healer. God, you're the Savior. God, I pray right now in the power, with the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God, that you would reach down and begin to let your anointing rest on my father-in-law and touch him. God, begin a healing in his body. He has been feeling very lethargic and feeling depressed. I rebuke that sickness and disease that the doctors say he has. God, I pray that you would save his soul in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to the great, one of the greatest books of our Bible, the book of Acts, Acts 12. I'm going to read 12 and 10, then I'm going to Acts 16 and 26. Uh, Brother Robertson gave me the, uh, the choice between teaching on Proverbs and between preaching, and because I did not have a, a ton of time, I, I'm, I'm going to, it's funny, Sister Laurie texts me and says, Pastor, wants to know if you can preach. I said, yes, and I walked into my car and there was a ticket on my windshield. I put the money in the, in the stupid meter, and it was for an hour. I went in and ate, and I thought, I won't be in there more than an hour. And I came out in three minutes. Some goofball puts a $20 ticket. So a hamburger cost me $30. If you ever just want a good hamburger, go to Bub's. But I'm telling you, it's a new place in Bloomington. But please pay more than what you're supposed to when you think you're going to, to need because they'll give you a ticket down there. That's the most expensive hamburger I've ever eaten. And it was good, but it wasn't worth it. But anyway, he asked me to preach, and I get a ticket. My computer shut down completely. My hard drive wiped. I think I lost every bit of my messages. And I had gobs of messages on there, and uh, I think maybe God may be telling me I need to start over. So tonight, I'm starting over. Acts 12 and 10, They came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on. I'm going to stop right there. In Acts 16 and 26, said, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Say everyone. Everyone's bands were loosed. He did not play any favorites. He did not look at somebody and say, I don't like the looks of him or I don't like the way she looks or he smells or where he, what his name is. He unloosed everyone. And tonight, this is what I want to preach. I'm not going to keep you very long, hopefully, on this thought. Satan, your kingdom is coming down. Satan, your kingdom is coming down. Someone turn to your neighbor and say that. Satan... Your kingdom is coming down. 
Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. <coughs> what do gates and doors have in common? Both are, are designed to keep the unwanted out and the wanted in. In most cases, they help us keep the good in and the bad out. In the two cases in which my texts were from tonight, they were designed to keep the good in. Gates and doors and fences and walls also represent boundaries and are usually easy to see. They're to declare an unwritten message. This is my property. These are my boundaries. You're not getting out or you're not getting in. That's why we put locks on our doors. These boundaries also exist in the spiritual realm. But they're just more difficult to see for most. And in Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said to Peter, He said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, say the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Wrapped up in this one verse is the purpose and the plan and the mission and the vision of God. This was the reason, this was the very reason why Jesus Christ wrapped Himself as a man and come to earth. He came to build His own church. And He continues to build it today through me and you. This is why He came. Many times when we read this verse, we picture hell on the attack and the church on the defense. I want you to, con- I want you to listen to what I'm saying. When we read this Scripture, upon this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We get a mental picture, an image of ourselves almost defeated by the pressure of hell's onslaught. And finally, God is finally somehow He's able to bring enough forces together to overcome the enemy. But that is not at all what is portrayed in this Scripture. Have you ever seen an army attack with gates? No. A person does not attack with gates. He defends with gates. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. Hell is on a defensive mode. I'm going to let that sink in. I know it's Wednesday night, but I want you to listen to me. It is not that the church is in a defensive mode. Jesus and His mighty army, us, the church, are attacking the devil. I said the church is on the move and we are attacking the devil. And He has built a defense 
to keep his territory closed. So the church cannot get in. That's what that scripture means. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church is on the offense. It's time that the apostolic church get it in their minds and in their hearts that we are not on the defense or on the defense. We are on the offense. That's the best I've got. So many times we get the picture of, of, of the devil over here and, and God over here and, and they're getting ready to go at it and, and it's, it's a big gamble and people's paying money and they're wondering who in the world's going to win and there's too many times that the church is gambling going, I wonder who's going to win. And the Bible says in the back of the book that we win. But if you read it in the first part, it says, in the beginning God. And that tells me who wins. This church will win because we serve a God that has never failed. The God that you serve wasn't built to fail. Mm. I know it's so shabby anyway. I'm going to walk away. This is His church that He shed His blood. He gave everything that He had for this church. Do you think that He's going to let it slip through His fingertips? Do you think that He is going to let His church, His bride, suffer from, from, from the wrath of God? We may suffer hard times and we may go through trials and temptations, but you can rest assured that the husband always protects his bride. Let me put them in layman's terms. You touch my wife, I weigh 175 pounds. It may not look like it, but I do. But anybody you touches my wife, I got a 40 caliber. You think that's bad for me to say? He's got a 12 gauge. You need to get you a wife, bro. So you can use it. Not on her. Rob's got a cap gun. A lot he's going to do with that. I got to get back here. And God looks at His church and He says, I will do whatever I have to do to protect my church, to bless my church. That's the, that's the voice right now that God is trying to speak in our churches. Everything might look gloom and doom. Everything about it around this world may be failing and falling around us. But you can rest assured that the church of the living God will raise up. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach anyway. We can go back in history and get a clear, get a clear picture. And in this, in this case, history will become his story, the devil's history. Uh, story. One of God's leaders in, in as an in angelic realm was Lucifer. 
In Isaiah 14, 12, he was called the son of the morning. In Ezekiel 28 and 14, he was called the anointed cherub that covereth. He was guilty of trying to overthrow God in a rebellion. He became God's adversary or enemy. Because of this, Lucifer moved from being one of God's archangels to God's arch enemy. Revelations 12, 4 through 9 tells us that Lucifer tried to get all the angels to follow him. But only one-third of the angels joined him in his attempt against God. They were cast down and had to, be, to organize their own kingdom. Two-thirds remained in heaven. The Bible is a battle between good and evil. When you look at the, ba- uh, at, at the back of the book, you will see that the church wins. But until we get there, we will constantly battle things in this world. We will constantly battle things in the church. That's a given. That is why it is so important to understand that when we face a mountain, we just can't quit. When we're going through the valley, we just can't give up because it's a guarantee that the church is going to go through the valley. How many of you, be honest, is going through a valley right now? Come on, be honest. You feel like you, you feel like you, you lost. Just, you know what I'm saying. You feel an oppression. You feel a depression. You can't, you can't get well. You, you're sick in your body. And that's a given. Revelation 12, uh, excuse me, I already read that. I printed my notes tonight at the church, and they come out off the Internet, and it looks like Helen Keller written them, wrote them out. I can say that. She's not down there. So you're going to have to bear with me. I feel the anointing right now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight through this, and I'm going to break this in Jesus' name. John 5, 19, allow, the Bible allows us to know that our world lies in the power of the evil one. Uh, but are looking for a breakthrough. We are looking to bind the enemy and push forward for the cause of Christ. Satan is our enemy, and the church is coming against the gates of his kingdom. How many know that the gates of hell cannot withstand the mighty army of Jesus Christ? Satan's gates are being pulled down by the church and we're going to have victory regardless of anybody else. What anything any, or anybody else says that this church will be victorious. I want everybody to stand right now. I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to go any further until we pray. I'm fighting something right now in the Holy Ghost and I'm going to get through it. The devil don't want you to hear what I got to say tonight. I rebuke this spirit of doubt right now in the name of Jesus. I want everybody to pray. Come on. I want every eyes closed and every hand raised. In the name of Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. I rebuke doubt. In the name of Jesus, I speak faith right now into this place right now. Let your anointing rest upon this place, people. Let's begin to worship God right now in the name of Jesus.
Come on. Come on. Let's begin to worship Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that I'm in a church that is knocking the very kingdom of hell to the ground. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hell represents Satan's entire domain. And the church is aggressive and triumph against it. Matthew eleven twelve 12 tells us, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. The New International Version says that it was forcefully, forcefully, say forcefully, advancing and forceful men will lay hold to it. God is looking for people in this last hour that will pray intense, intensely and preach intensely and worship intensely and praise intensely. The devil that is in this world is a violent devil. He is 100% after your family. He wants to, wants to, to, I'm having problems tonight speaking. He wants to, to destroy the very fabric of our families. He wants to destroy moms and dads and children. And he will do anything that he can to do so. And he's very good. At his job. He works night and day. And the Bible says that we are supposed to use as much violent force as he uses on us. So in other words, the harder hell comes at me, the harder that I worship. The higher that I'll dance and shout, the harder I'll clap my hands, the louder I will sing. The violent take it by force. It's not time to quit praying in this final hour. I've been going to the jail or the hospital, and I begin to pray for these people. And they look at me like I'm nuts. I mean, you can hear me praying from down the hallway. Because I figure that the devil needs to hear my attention. Or has to... I've never fought this hard at McCormick's Creek to preach. But I'm fighting tonight. That's okay. They, he, he knows that I'm there. And I figure that I'm sick and tired, Brother Gillespie, of praying Baptist prayers. No offense to any Baptist. And I'm tired of just 
just nonchalantly worshiping through life and, and nonchalantly going to the men's prayer room and, and saying a patty cake prayer because the devil is a mean devil. And if I'm going to get rid of him, I'm going to have to pray an intense prayer. When I pray against cancer, i got to tell it to leave. When I pray against all matter of sickness, I figure I'm not going to waste my breath when I come to church. I'm going to worship God more than you. Hallelujah. We need to be strong like Joshua and remember that no one can stand before us all the days of our life and be successful in doing so. The apostles were powerful men of God who took authority wherever they went. It is our job as a church to help free those who have become bound of Satan's devices. When we witness to people, it's not enough just to say, hey, well, I'd like you to come to church sometime. Here's a flyer. That's not enough in our day. It's not enough anymore. I, you can get mad at me you want to. You hang a flyer on someone's door and say, we, we want you to come to our church, because I looked on their door, and they had the Baptists inviting them to church, and the Methodists inviting them to church, and the churches down the road inviting them to church, and they never showed up from church for church. So I, I, when I go out passing out flyers, I don't pass out many flyers. I, I don't know how many doors I got into. I don't know how many people I began to pray for. And I saw people begin to weep under the power of the Holy Ghost. Because I know that they're living in a violent world and they deserve a violent prayer, if you will. Listen, if hell's doors are going to come down, this church is going to have to get up and be as as or more intense than he is. I wish I could get this out like I'm supposed to. Sunday school teachers, I commend you. I commend you for what you do. But I beg of you, when you teach those kids, oh, some of them have been raised in apostolic churches, but for the most part, some of those kids that come on a van ministry, you don't know what kind of hell they went through before they got to Sunday school. And they deserve much more than five minutes before Sunday school looking at a lesson. Some of those kids come down there. Sister Robertson, she breaks my heart when I see her down there cooking for those kids because a lot of those kids don't get breakfast in the morning. And if they do, it's a couple potato chips or a piece of toast, a dried toast, whatever it is. And a lot of them don't get to eat. And she began to, they begin to feed them down there. That breaks my heart. That is a burden. That is compassion. That is being intense. Oh, that's just feed. Listen. What did Jesus do? He said, I'm not going to send them away hungry. 
He showed them compassion because he knew that that's what won people. Not just feeding them five minutes of, of stale bread, a couple of verses in the Bible, and then letting them go out and play basketball. But it's getting in their face and telling them that you love them and put your arm around them. That's what's going to tear hell's gates down. I'm going to get through this. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I read the book. I don't even know I'm going this way. I just feel the Holy Ghost pushing me in this direction. I read the book called Child Called It. And I couldn't put it down. I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it until I finally got it done. And I, 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 I'm not very good at just sitting down and reading the book from the front to the back. I pick out chapters a lot of times that interest me and I'll read them and I'll put them down. i got tons of books at home that I haven't read all of them or read through a lot of them. I just read, skim, and get messages and stuff. But I begin to read a child called it. And then there was another one, boy named Dave and... and uh, there's another one. Uh, y'all probably know some of y'all. But I began to read that book, Child Called It, and it crushed my heart, Brother Gillespie. What this young man had to go through. What his mother put him through. And I'm not even going to go into it, but I can tell you what. She, was, she, she had a devil. She took his arm and held it over the fire on the stove. She fed him Drano. She fed him bleach and ammonia. I said I wasn't going to go in it, but I want you to understand what we're preaching at, who we're, who we're ministering to, what kind of people that walk in our doors, what kind of hell that these people go through. He would go to school and eat out of the freezer frozen tater tots. And she had noticed that he was a little perky when he got home because she knew he hadn't eaten at home for days. So she stuck her finger down his throat and made him vomit it up. And he was an outcast to his mom. And in prayer one day, Brother Christ. God spoke to me, and He said, when you get up to preach, He said, I want you to act like you're preaching to a bunch of Dave Pelters. What? Dave Pelter, he wrote the book. It was a boy named Dave. child called it. He wrote the book. He said, I want you, when you preach, I want you to preach like you're preaching to that boy. I don't know why I'm going this way. So many times when we come against hell's gates, we come with it with just with half energy, with a little bit of energy. We do every so many things nonchalantly. We do we do ministry nonchalantly. And so many times they become numbers. Bible studies become numbers. 
And the people that sit under us as pew pastors, they become numbers instead of people. And we miss it. And we wonder why in the world that we cannot budge through the gates of hell. It's when we begin to minister with passion and preach with passion and sing with passion and pray with passion. That's what's going to move the kingdom of hell. Oh. Hallelujah. I don't even know where to go from here. We can't just do things halfway. We can't do it. Satan is not scared of people that doesn't mean worship. He knows worship. He was in charge of it. He knows when we have to do things. And the devil is not intimidated by a church that just half does things. But we are going to march in this final hour. I believe it with all my heart. We are going to march up to the gates of our cities. We're going to march up to the gates of our country and of our world. And we are going to have the greatest revival that we have ever seen. Oh, you believe it. Greater things shall ye do. Ye shall lay hands on the sick. Ye shall cast out devils in my name. Hallelujah. My God, I, I, I got to get on with this. I'm not going to, Sister Robertson, she gets on me for apologizing. I'm not going to apologize. I'm fighting a spirit right now. And I have been since I've been preaching. Hallelujah. The devil's been defeated. I said the devil's already been defeated. Hallelujah. The gates of hell cannot stand against the church. Hallelujah. First John 2 and 14 says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have, ye have overcome the wicked one. Again, John tells us in the chapter 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan is the god of this present world. He controls it along with his demons and his evil spirits. He has organized the world into political, cultural, and religious systems that at times stands as gates to the kingdom of God and prevents people 
from believing the truth. He attacks even on a personal level where he captures the mind of men and women and calls them to imagine things that keep them bound for days and for decades. Men and women have been bound in depressions all of their lives and they live inside themselves, locked in. Although Satan has a powerful kingdom, Jesus, the Bible says, came to destroy the very works of Satan and free us from his domain. He is not in charge of us. He is not in charge of our church. We don't have to be afraid because God gave us a promise in Isaiah 54 and 17 that says, No weapon, no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper or shall succeed. It will not work. It will fail. If you fail, it's on your own accord. But it's not because God didn't work for you. It's because you did not work for God. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, no matter what demonic influence these gates of hell that are represented in our lives and try to represent in our homes across the United States and our cities, we will knock them down with God's help. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Our weapons are mentioned that God had given us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. In Ephesians 6, we see the enemies that we face and the armor that we are to use and the weapons that are available to us. We're given so that we can stand, the Bible says, against the wiles of the devil. Six, uh, Ephesians 6 and 11, they are given to us to wrestle against principalities and powers and rules of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. We will win the battle and knock down the gates of hell with the whole armor of God. And they include loins girt about with truth. We have to have the truth. You need to get a love for the truth. It is not enough just to know Scripture. It is not enough for us to know truth. But we need to fall in love with this truth. Truth holds everything together. Loins gird about with truth. We need the truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Right living covers and protects our heart. Righteousness. Holiness. Places that we should not go. Things that we should not see. Things that we should not say. Right living protects our heart. Without our heart, we would die. That's what 
the breastplate of righteousness does for us. It protects our heart. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Feet that do not carry condemnation and accusation. You will say amen to that. I said feet that do not carry condemnation and accusation. Shield of faith, our faith will keep us. Helmet of salvation, our mind must be saved. My dad used to teach me the Bible, the God teach, actually the Bible does teach that God will save our hearts, but we have to save our minds. The Bible says that we are in charge of our minds. He said you've got to cast down every evil imagination. Sword of the Spirit. We need the Word of God in our hearts like we've never needed it before in this last hour. The church is an army that is marching through the land. We are an army of believers made up uh, with... with, with uh, we have made up our mind. We're not going to quit. We cannot retreat. We've come too far to retreat. Psalm said, 144 and 1, said, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. In order to win, we must put on Jesus Christ. I don't understand why I feel the way I feel right now. I do not I don't feel a spirit of depression. I don't I don't feel a spirit of oppression. I do believe that the spirits that are targeting our ministry and our church today is is just to get us off of our focus. What's our focus? Jesus. And he's going to do everything within his power to 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 do it. Brother Cisco told something to the men downstairs, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. I, I, I do want to share this with you. I wish everybody could have heard what he said downstairs. Um, I wish I could have had this recorded. But he said his father, when he sought out to build a church, he didn't want to go to an area, uh, and this wasn't his words, but he was saying that he didn't want to go to an area such as Bloomington. Well, there's 5,000 churches, oneness churches, and everybody, you know, all these churches preach the truth, and, and, and you know, you got 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 people in the church. There's 30,000 people in Bloomington. There's 40, 40 some odd oneness churches, apostolic churches in Bloomington. So he began to study where that the revival in Topeka, Kansas began to taper off. He began to, to study where the churches were having true apostolic revival. And he said there was like an imaginary line. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, and it was uh, Wisconsin, the, the city. Say that again. Racine. I thought it was... Yes. The, Milwaukee. So, all these churches had built their apostolic churches, but none of them was having spiritual breakthroughs. And uh, I, I, I want to tell it right, so it, this, is, this is to me is tremendous. And they was having no revival. Everything was dead there. And so he went, they went in and they began to pray and pray and pray. And uh, there were some youth groups, small youth groups around, 
And Brother Cisco, he was, was probably in 1990, 91, I, I assume, uh, because I got to study, and I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second, um, that they, they began to come, against these spirit, uh, come up against these spirits that was keeping the churches from having revival. There were seven, seven spirits there that was keeping this, the churches from having revival. And the main chief prince, he said, uh, in this area was the spirit of murder. And you can, you can kind of guess when you begin to name each city of, uh, of what devil reigns in that area. And I'll just name a city. No, don't, don't say anything, but I'll just name a city and you get the gist. San Francisco. Bloomington. Gary, Indiana. L.A., East St. Louis, Chicago, you get the drift. But he said he began to, he, he, they, God revealed the spirit to him, and in, in Milwaukee was a spirit of murder. And they began to pray, and he, he began to, and I'm not going to tell exactly like he said, but he said he came to his room, and he began to pray, and he began to pray in the spirit world. And he said, he stood up in his room and he pointed his finger at those spirits. He said, I will bring you down. God will bring you down. He said, I may not bring you down today. I may not bring you down tomorrow. He said, but I will bring you down. And he said, he began to pray. These youth groups started forming. He said, and every time one of those spirits fell, he said they had a breakthrough. It was, it was, it was a pretty good breakthrough. But he got through it, and the last one to fall was that chief prince of that area, which was a spirit of murder. And they began to pray very intensely, and they began to fast. And finally, that last spirit fell. It must have been days, wasn't it? Days they caught, the police caught Jeffrey Dahmer. Just days. After they... they acknowledged that this spirit had fallen. He said that Jeffrey Dahmer had been caught. He was talking about how powerful these spirits were in this area. He said that that, that spirit of murder was so powerful and so deceiving that he said one time, which I had read in the book, and I'd, I'd seen uh, in, a, in a book that this happened, that he said this, this gentleman that had gotten away, got away from Jeffrey Dahmer, he was drugged up and he was coming out of his drugs and he ran into two cops in the hands of two cops and he was without clothes. And Jeffrey Dahmer comes out. He has a knife in his hand. And he tells him, he said, this is my companion. And he said, he's drunk. He's, uh, he, he, he does this when he gets drunk and, and the cops let him go. Back with Jeffrey Dahmer. And that night, that man was in his freezer. He said that's how powerful that the enemy was in that area. But he, my point is this, that Brother Robertson, when he was talking about the spirit of poverty and the spirit of perversion that is in our area, we need to intently begin to gather together and begin to pray and, 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 and rebuke those spirits and begin to fast against that because I'm telling you, it is when we bring the kingdom of Satan down and we target 
our prayers and target our fasting, that is when we are going to see some major breakthroughs in the Spirit. And it is very, very close. And I promise you, I promise you that that kingdom that we are feeling in this area, the spirit of poverty and the spirit of perversion, will fail and fall. Let's stand our feet. Hallelujah. With the uplifting of hands, God, we come before you knowing that you are God. We know that you're in charge. We know that you love your church. God, you purchased this church with your own blood. God, and you're going to help us. and You're going to do everything in your power to help your church prosper. God, you said, said no weapons that are formed against us shall prosper. God, and I pray right now that you would touch each and every household, God, the spirits that try to plague us, spirits that try to take us control in our houses, in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. God, I pray against these spirits, God. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Every matter of sicknesses and every disease, every matter of depression and oppression that tries to latch itself amongst your church, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Just for a few moments, church, let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. He koshat la bahaya. Put your hand on the shoulder next to the person next to you and begin to pray for that person. In the name of Jesus. God help us to unify together, Jesus. God help us to bring the the Satan's gates down. God help us to come against every power of the enemy. God, give us strength. Give us authority in the name of Jesus. Help us to utilize the gifts that are in us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, just for a few more moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost Church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ilamondo riela baha satara baha katara baha shotu robohoya. Hallelujah, 